All right. I forget. That was a great warm up. <laughs> That's all I got, though. Yeah. <laughs> I got nothing else. You got out of your that. system. <laughs> you basically just she, did a podcast I just before did the podcast. Not podcast. Okay, that's five good. Minutes. You're the like five a, minute podcast. You're like a kid, you know. It's like you got to just tucker them out, yeah. and then they just fall right asleep. So uh, let's talk. Let's talk about um, what we're going to talk about, which is this mysterious topic uh, called food allergies. Uh, we, I think, everyone has kind of heard what they may or may not be. Like, you know, people are familiar with like a peanut allergy or you know allergies to different kinds of nuts and things like that. But it's actually a much broader uh, topic. Uh, it's not necessarily restricted to nuts. Mm-hmm your nuts. Uh, it, it actually can be, uh, you know, you know, people are allergic to all sorts of things and they don't even know it. Yeah. So what, what's, so let me, let me just ask you a question before you, you go on a rant about food allergies because you're, <laughs> you're fired up. You're on ketosis, right? I'm ready. Yeah. I'm keto. You're all keto? Okay. I'm keto Nat today. Okay. All right. Uh, warning, Nat is in <laughs> ketosis. So you're going to want to, you're going to want to slow down the, the, the file I'm, to half speed. I'm, yeah. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> That's right. But, um, okay, so what, like sum up food allergies for everybody. Yeah, so there's different types. When we talk about food allergies, it tends to be a bit of a catch-all phrase. Your classic food allergy, which um, people, you know, rightfully can be quite um, cautious with, like the, quite often peanut allergies fall into this. Um, and by the way, peanuts are not a nut. They're a legume. Just needed to get that out there. Fun um, fact. There'll be a quiz at fact. the end. There will be a quiz at the end. Um, and um, what's another food? Shellfish. People can be very allergic to shellfish. And those, what defines a food allergy like that is it causes the, rele- it's, it causes the release of an antibody called an IgE. Right, and it let's let's that's for a minute consider that E stands for emergency. So the IgE response is an immediate response. You eat the shellfish, you eat the pistachio nut, you eat the peanut, whatever the case may be. Mm-hmm. You start to have trouble breathing. You may have hives, um, and it happens very very fast, and it can be life threatening. So these are food allergies. If you've got them, you know it, and you've got to be careful. So there was a dude who walked into the academy uh, a week ago and he was talking to Nate at the front desk and he, and he very calmly said, in a British accent, he's like, um, I think you're going to have to call 911. <laughs> so he... <laughs> so, oh, uh, that is so not a good sign. Yeah, so yeah. I, I think he had probably eaten something with uh, like some kind of nut in it, didn't realize it, and um, he just walked in and uh, he's like, you need to call an ambulance. I'm going to go lay down on the bench. And he wow. you know, took out his EpiPen and yeah. just you know, stabbed himself in the foot. And, and it's, it was it's serious. Scary. It's know, scary because yeah. those EpiPens are good. They buy you maybe 15 minutes. Well, he was asking. He was like, um, how soon is the ambulance going to get, in a British accent, how soon is the ambulance going to get here? <laughs> and I said, oh, probably like you know, in a few minutes. He's like, what's a few minutes? So Define I could, minutes. Define yeah. minutes, right. So he was kind of, he knew how much time he had. But the best thing is, is as uh, the, the, the ambulance was pulling up, he started asking us, uh, us about our crime. CrossFit intro. He's like, he's like, um, the most together anaphylactic person you'll ever meet. It was was like, um, I'm going to be better in a day. Um, so can I sign up for your intro tomorrow? I'm like, dude, I love where your head's at. (laughs) Yeah. But we do have nuts in the building. So, and you know, one thing to keep in mind with people who are that allergic to nuts, 
um, and there are those people, they they can literally react, have a reaction to touching something that somebody who touched a nut touched. Um, and that can be enough to set them off. So don't touch nuts got it don't touch nuts stay away from nuts and um, even um, in some cases if you're cooking with peanut oil just the 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 air whatever's released into the air Mm -hmm. can cause reaction so you know the good news is there aren't that many people in that category but there are enough of them that it's really changed the way the world works Mm -hmm. in a lot of ways right and there's some really interesting research around right now about desensitizing kids who are showing signs to these allergies and guys don't do this at home by yourself without supervision but there's definitely a school of thought out there where people are exposing their children to micro amounts of the allergen Mm -hmm. like itty bitty amounts every day and gradually they increase the amount to the next up itty bitty amount until eventually they're you're feeding their kids. You're building immunity, and the, you're building the body's ability to tolerate. And it's a, it's such an interesting field because um, I think it was Ben Greenfield was talking about this on a podcast. He's done this with his son, and now he feeds his son ten peanuts every single day to keep that immune system primed in just the right way. But imagine how this kid, how much easier his life is going to be when he's not walking around in a constant state of fear of coming across inadvertently touching something that somebody touched or having a food that came in contact with something. So what you're saying is the rise of, of uh, food allergies in children is directly linked to overprotective hipster parents who totally insulate their kids from the yeah, real world. I don't think I'm saying exactly that. I think that's what you said. Um, I think they're, you, you know, I think Let your it's, kids play in dirt, right? Absolutely. Let them play well, dirt. that's that's this week's <laughs> newsletter article, actually, is fear of dirt. Is there, um, uh, there we go. <laughs> you've, you've been reading my emails. Damn. Um, but, you know, is that the cause? I, I'm not prepared to say that. I think that there's all so when it comes to peanuts in particular, there's a lot of questions around the molds that grow on peanuts, the sure. mycotoxins that can be, and that can be extremely toxic to people and why some people are so allergic and others aren't. You know, it's, it's a big question. I, I think that the allergies and like certainly those types of food allergies and immune system priming, I, maybe not a straight line there, but when it comes to an overactive immune system and an immune system that hasn't been primed properly, mm-hmm. yeah, living in a sanitized world is not doing anybody any favors. Sure, absolutely. I, I think any of us, it's not helping us with our immune system. But we're, we're digressing from our food allergy That's what we do. Topic. That's, what, That's we do. what we do. So coming back, the other type of reaction you can have to a food is something that's mediated by what's called an IgG antibody. And so this is a reaction that actually can take two to three days to build. It's much more insidious. It definitely, it kind of flies under the radar and it could be something like you feel kind of bloated or you have a bit of a headache or you're feeling tired or um, sometimes you can have a skin reaction, um, you know, or stuffy nose. Uh, I live with my dear husband who insists on having dairy and he has dairy and his nose turns into a faucet. And I'm like, dude, you know what? Like, you just need to stop that, mm-hmm. right? He doesn't, and, though. And no, he doesn't. No. And, you know, he blames it on chlorine, which is partially responsible as well. But um, but anyway, but but there are very classic responses to food. And so now we call those more food sensitivities versus food allergies. And, um, and their reaction... And, 
And so they're a little, they're not any harder to, they're harder to, they're harder to pinpoint because there can be quite a lot of them, but they are relatively easy to, to discover through blood tests that are, that are not that hard to get access to. Sorry, keto Nat is starting to stutter. Maybe I haven't had enough water today. Um, um, but you won't be able to get them through an allergist. So your classical allergist that's covered by OHIP is going to test you for those emergency food allergies, the IgEs. Um, to our American listeners, OHIP is our uh, is our medical system, our yeah. Medicare system. Yeah. But sorry, for <laughs> move to Canada when Trump wins. Move to Canada. Actually, you guys have access to way better allergy testing than okay. we do. Um, and then for the IgGs, you're going to have to find whether it's a nutritionist or a naturopath, somebody who's more into the alternative healthcare world. Um, and that again is a blood test, but it's a blood test you can even self-administer through a, some companies. You can you basically poke a hole in your finger. Mm. We harvest um, about 15 drops of blood from your finger. That's I know it lot. sounds gross. Well, it, it depends on the person. I've had some people fill, I mean, and you don't fill a vial, like you fill it to a line. It's not right. a lot of blood. I've had a couple of people fill it in three seconds. I had one poor woman, we must have, I mean, she had to poke probably five of her fingers. Like she was clotting so fast. I'm like, you know what? Are you taking omega-3? And she's like, no, I don't take that. And I'm like, well, you need to start. (laughs) And possibly she may have been dehydrated. Like who knows, right? So you harvest this blood, you send it off in a test tube, and then they expose it in the lab to, they do all these tests and they come back to you with this beautiful report that tells you whether if you had no response, a low response, a medium response, and a, and a big response. So I'm, I'm, I'm stopping myself now because you have to be cautious with all of these tests. Mm-hmm. Number one, if you haven't eaten a food in two years, it may not show up. All right. If if um, and and it's an interesting thing that if you know that you're going to do an IgG food sensitivity test, um, it's a good idea to eat foods that you may be suspicious of to have one dose of like one serving in the week leading up to your test. Because you need those antibodies to be present. Yeah. I mean, if you haven't had a food for two years, your body's a very efficient machine. It's not going to keep inventory on hand that it doesn't need. Right, yeah, yeah, it's busy right. dealing with all the other stuff it's got to deal with. Absolutely. So at some level, it's like, okay, well, you know, that's no longer a problem. We don't need to. We don't need to. You guys don't need to show up. Mm-hmm. You know, we'll call you when we need you, kind of thing. So if there's foods that you're suspicious of, it's a really good idea to have a serving in the week leading up to the IgG, um, which will give you a better reading. The other way that you can get a false positive or a false, actually, a false positive is certain foods, proteins are very similar to others, so you'll get cross reactions. Mm -hmm. So for example, bananas and pineapples will cross react. Um, And then, um, and then uh, what else? I, you know, that's pretty much it. But for the most part, it's pretty, it's a pretty accurate test. And what's really, what's the, you know, what I find one of the most rewarding things to do is after people get over the shock that they can't eat X, Y, and Z, mm-hmm. um, and we pull it out of their diet and we start focusing on all the things they can eat, even though there's maybe 20 things they cannot eat, it's a 200 food test, right? So that leaves 180 other things you can eat. Um, once we pull those things out, the best part is in, over the next couple of weeks, people going, 
oh my God, I feel so much better. I, you know, and fill in the blank. I had no idea how tired I was all the time or that bloating is gone or I seem to have more energy or I seem to be sleeping better. It is, and sometimes the body will release weight that it was hanging mm-hmm. on to because of this constant state of inflammation. It's, it's a really fascinating thing to see. So let's focus in on that point for a bit. Um, a lot of people are used to eating food and feeling a certain way after it. Yep. And, and many of us, I know we brought this up in previous podcasts, but you know, checking to see how you feel after you've eaten a particular food, uh, even in the absence of a blood test, a good way to check is just to see if you have any of the symptoms you just mentioned. Yep. So, sure. so let's go over that just list again so everybody can um, maybe get a sense of what they might feel like if there is a, uh, a food that they're sensitive to in their diet. Mm-hmm. There's actually a really interesting app called the food, I think it's called the food detective app. Okay. And it's, um, it goes on a certain theory that not everybody subscribes to. Okay. But I actually learned about this um, when I was studying nutrition in school. And the, the, the idea, and I'm, I'm a little bit fuzzy on the exact details, but the idea is somewhere along the lines that when you eat a food that you're sensitive to, you're, you have a blood pressure response. Mm-hmm. Your heart rate, mm-hmm. it's your heart rate. Yeah. Your heart rate will increase. Sure. And so what this app will will do for you, and I think it's through a heart rate monitor. Yeah, I've, um, u- I've used something very similar. It? Yeah, so yeah. so uh, HRV, which mm-hmm. a lot of people are into these days, including you know the guy you mentioned, Ben Greenfield. Yeah. Uh, it essentially, uh, you can measure food sensitivities through a heart rate monitor, oddly enough, because the uh, heart rate variability is... For, for people at home who don't know what it is yet, it's not your heartbeat, it's actually the differences between the beats. Mm-hmm. And uh, a, a really like healthy, high-functioning heart, an athletic heart, a CrossFit heart, should should have a high degree of variability. It shouldn't be like a metronome, there yeah. should be a lot of differences, right? And it's your stress response too is involved, Ex- right? Exactly. It's between your two parasympathetic and sympathetic nervous systems. Bingo, exactly. Yeah. It's the balance between your parasympathetic and, and sympathetic nervous system, your rest and digest and your fight and flight. And it's essentially measuring the tone of your, your vagal nerve, which right. is connected to like everything in your body. So this one measurement can tell you a lot. It can tell you if you're overly stressed, uh, athletes use it to uh, be able to predict how how uh, rested they are for a hard day of training. Mm-hmm. In in a lot of cases, they'll they'll decide to go harder or or not as hard in a training session because of this reading. Yeah. And in one of the apps that I use, uh, it actually does measure food sensitivity. I played around with it a little bit. Um, I didn't really go too deep, but it, I, I think it's a little murky still. Mm-hmm. It's a bit fuzzy because you know there's other variables that can affect your heart rate variability. Mm-hmm. You know, there's stress. There's there's fatigue. There's so I mean I brought it up only because it's an interesting little tool out right. there, um, but certainly dialing in and and noticing how you feel after a meal, it's it just it takes mindfulness, right? Yeah. It takes taking the time and making notes because if you journal what you eat and mm-hmm. how you feel, you may find trends over the course of time. Okay, so I'm gonna put on my lazy hat. Yeah. My, my lazy guy hat, because yeah. I'm not going to do any of that. I'm not journaling. Well, so, then you... Just so you know. Okay. I'm your worst nightmare as a client. Yeah, I know. You're you're not my worst nightmare. You're my But I also represent client. the vast majority of people. So yeah, absolutely. that's my role in this podcast to basically, okay, Nat, everything you said is great, but I'm super lazy, so and I'm not going to do any do of that. it. But hold on. But um, I'll tell you what I am prepared to do. Okay. I'm prepared to do what you just said, which is take a second to check in and, and to feel... 
um, all the feels that I get after eating a certain food. I think that's a really you know easy thing for most people to do. But what am I what am I looking for? Yeah. Is so so. I will tell you what you're looking for right after I say this one thing. No. Yeah, you're going to have to listen. You're going to have to hear me out on this. Is that how often do you eat one food all by itself with nothing else? <clears throat> so you want me to isolate the variables, what you're talking about? Yeah. So okay. that's, that's the tricky thing. I can do thing. that. That's the tricky thing. I'm willing thing. to do that. If you're willing to do that, that's awesome. So what you're looking for is any kind of effect on your energy. Mm -hmm. um, do you start to, are you feeling really tired? Right? Like right after, I'm just Well, like I mean, so, and we just finished saying that an IgG response can take two to three days to show sure. up. So this is what, again, this is what makes this system imperfect, is that hmm. sometimes people will feel bloated or foggy or, mm -hmm. or um, whatever in the, in the hour, in the two hours, even in the evening, possibly the next day. Some people will find that, you know, they can have, they'll have pasta, for example, and they may feel really crappy the next day, but never really, it's kind of like, you know, when you scold a puppy for peeing on your rug, when you get home at the end of the day, if he peed on your rug in the morning, he has no idea yeah. what the hell Old you're bastard. yelling at him about. <laughs> right? So it's, it's a little bit like that. So this is, the tricky thing with IgGs is that they don't lend themselves well to this, this observation thing unless you're taking notes. And even then it becomes hard. So one thing you can do, um, which is a bit labor intensive, but it doesn't involve a blood test, is to do what's called an elimination diet. Mm -hmm. And if you're open to eating only a very limited number of foods for a period of, let's say, let's call it a month, right? So you cut out all the most common allergenic foods. So the mm -hmm. most common allergenic foods are dairy, grains, um, for a lot of people, eggs mm -hmm. have to go. Yeah, my buddy's um, allergic to eggs. Oh, yeah. I've I've seen so many people in my practice who are allergic to eggs. The interesting thing about eggs is a lot of people are allergic to the egg white and not the egg yolk. Mm, interesting. Which actually is not a bad deal, because you could argue that the egg yolk is the best part of the egg anyway. Well, people are largely uh, you know, they have issues with proteins, right? Yeah. That's the issue, and there's more protein in the in in the white. In the white, yeah. Um, so what else? Soy, sure, is a big allergen. Um, You're crushing people I'm right missing. now. Just crushing their. I know I'm crushing them. I'm sorry, guys. Their life. Um, so I said grains. I said yeah. soy. I said eggs. I said Nut, dairy. Well, I mean nuts of various kinds. Um, yeah, nuts can be a problem. I mean, if you're Legumes, having a lot of issues, even rice, I think, could probably. Uh, well, yeah. So that's issues, where right? grains. I mean, rice yeah. of all the grains is the least allergenic, mm -hmm. but but you may as well just pull it all out. Mm -hmm. um, and then there was one other one I was just about to say. Alcohol. Alcohol's <laughs> not a bad one to pull out if you're doing an if you're if you're doing an elimination diet. Sure. Alcohol's not bad. You know. You're essentially what you're doing is you're adopting a very squeaky clean diet um, for a month. And then what we start to do after a month is we introduce one food back at a time for a period of three to four days and you eat that food every single day for, for those four days. So to recap what you said, you pull everything out that is typically uh, related to a food sensitivity or allergy. Yeah, right? the, most, so, the most common ones. The most common, the, the big offenders, right? Gluten, uh, all sorts of other, you know, grains, dairy, uh, you know, uh, legumes, beans, all this stuff. And uh, you pull it out for about, what, 30 days-ish? I mean, ideally, 30 days. 30 days, okay. You do so this elimination diet. 30 yeah. days. You're probably going to feel 
most likely, if you've made it to the 30-day mark, you're probably going to feel a lot better. Yeah. And in, in our experience, I think you would agree. Yeah. Um, and then you start to introduce one by one. So maybe you'll start to introduce gluten. That's a that's a big one. And you'll give it some time. You'll see how it affects you. you challenge over the, the body over the course of what about a week, two weeks, three to four days usually. Okay. Yeah. And you eat that food for three. So you might do eggs first, right? Cool. So you might have eggs every day for four days. Mm-hmm. And, and now you will feel the difference. So you, you've established uh, a better a baseline. baseline, right? Yeah. A baseline. Uh, and again, for anybody who doesn't want to, uh, you know, squeeze their finger for 15 drops of blood and <laughs> go through that ordeal. Actually, just so you know, guys, it's better when you squeeze less. Squeeze <laughs> the more less. you squeeze, okay. the more your that's everything a, kind of jams up. Pro tip from that. <laughs> um, so yeah, that's one way to do it. I mean, again, you know, you'll have to use your own. Uh, in your own, you know, uh, I guess introspection sense of sense of uh, the effect of the food. So it's not necessarily maybe it's not as objective as I think it's pretty obvious. But it when is. When you take yeah. eggs out for a month and mm-hmm. you bring them back, if they are a problem for you, you will know. Yeah. You absolutely will know. So if you're interested to go even deeper and say, is it egg whites or egg yolks? You may start eating egg yolks first for three or four days. No reaction. Awesome. Now bring in the egg whites and see if there's a reaction. So it's the, the, the biggest downside to this is it takes a ton of time, right? Because it's, sure. it's a month off of all the foods and then it's reintroducing them one at a time. And it also doesn't address if there's any other foods that you're sensitive to that you don't know. Yeah, it's funny, like my personality, everything, I've been through that and it really works for my personality. I love these like scorch the earth. Yeah approaches to things I'm like yeah. I'm gonna pull everything out and this is and awesome it's awesome it, 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 it works for me uh, you know whereas like a blood test I mean it doesn't excite me as much mm-hmm. for some reason the idea of really taking charge of this thing and measuring it you know daily and going through that like I, I vibe with that not everybody is like me thankfully yeah. so I think the the important thing is to really you know try one both or, or, or play around with it but um, I think there's there's a huge value in doing a food sensitivity protocol for some amount of time. Like, what have you seen with some of your your clients, Nat? Like, how how has it affected their, uh, you know, their performance, lifestyle, all that oh, stuff? Oh, it's it's dramatic. It's for the most part, it's people feel so much better when they remove those foods. And I would say, like, it's there's some weird ones out there. You know, some people they can't go near tomatoes, or they can't go near eggplant, yeah. or they can't go near. Nice I shades. had one celery came up, like or cabbage. Like that sucks, right? Cabbage yeah. is awesome. You described everything I ate today. Yeah, Just, yeah. <laughs> I hope I'm. Was, all <laughs> those things were in my salad. Um, and so. And, and those are things you would never expect. So now the other thing I'll say is with people who all of a sudden you do a food sensitivity test and it looks like the list is so long, it's staggering, right? You've mm. got 30 foods and it's like, how is anybody that allergic? And so now we have to consider the possibility that they've done damage to the lining of their GI tract and caused a condition that we call leaky gut. Mm -hmm. So leaky gut is, I'm sure a lot of you guys have heard this somewhere at some point. And if you consider that the lining of your GI tract and your GI tract runs from your point of entry at your mouth to your point of exit at the other side, that whole tract is lined by a single cell layer of a wall. And that wall, every cell is glued to the next cell. And that is your first line of defense to the outside world, other than your skin. And 
we can damage the junction, the, they're called tight junctions between the cells. We can damage those tight junctions in a multitude of different ways. Once they get damaged, they, it, it compromises the integrity of that tight junction. And now we get immune complexes or protein complexes that are not fully processed that can get past mm-hmm. into, the, into your system, into the tissues. And your body is really good at, at saying, hey, you don't belong here and to mount an immune response. And therefore, you're now showing up, you're, you're presenting as if you're sensitive or allergic to that food, not because you're actually allergic to the food, but because it's, there's a part of it that's ending up in your body that, nef- that doesn't belong. You're letting the outside in, basically. Yeah. Right? So, the, so the good news in a situation like that is that you can heal that leaky gut. And the best way to heal the leaky gut is to take away anything that offends your body for a period of time there's certain supplements and herbs and things that you can use to help to give the body the materials to heal, which it'll do eventually anyway. Like your body has an amazing capacity to heal itself, but we can speed things up with like L-glutamine and um, um, there's aloe sometimes can be helpful. There's, you know, all different kinds of, of, uh, of supplements and just with a very clean diet. There's also lifestyle that comes in, right? People who lead incredibly stressed lives you can damage your gut that way as well. People who take antibiotics, uh, certain over-the-counter drugs. Um, so if stress can damage, that means obviously that not enough sleep over time can do a number on your gut. Um, so anyway, so we can heal that gut, and lo and behold, all of a sudden, you now start tolerating a lot of foods that you prior were causing you discomfort and, and inflammation. Right. right. So that doesn't mean that if you have a genuine food sensitivity to eggs, you'll be able to to tolerate eggs because you may just not tolerate them for whatever reason. But certainly when we get into the world where we see, you know, I had a client recently say to me, you know what? It's like every day I'm reacting to something new. So we have to consider the possibility that there's something else going on with mm-hmm. that with that system. And it's a system that's so inflamed and so up in arms that it's just reacting to everything. Sure. So what you're saying is, I mean, you know, stress is, you know, you kind of put in a bucket, right? And mm-hmm. if that bucket's overflowing, no matter where the stress is coming from, it's overflowing. So yeah. even if someone is, you know, going through a very stressful time, they can develop, <clears throat> excuse me, sensitivities that they didn't have before. Yeah. But either way, what you got to do is eliminate the source of as much stress as possible and then repair. Yeah, exactly. And you mean always there's the four R's, right, of, of healing the remove you got to remove the offending things you want to replace what you may be deficient in and one thing i was going to say about stress is when you're super stressed you stop making um digestive uh, hydrochloric acid in your stomach which you need to break down protein and that right? makes sense and like, so you can't digest yeah, because in rest and digest versus fight and flight exactly because exactly. you're using your resources to to fight the good fight instead of uh you know a secondary thing like eating yeah like your body will not digest food and those of you i'm sure all of a number of you know this number one if you're super stressed you're either prone to eat because of the stress right or a lot of people just it cuts their appetite like they can't eat and there's a reason for that is because your body's like marshalling its resources to flee the lion as it were right um so i I appreciate that metaphor thank you My pleasure. Um, but in any event, when you're um, when so so when you're not making enough stomach acid and you're not digesting your food properly, mm-hmm. guess what? That also is going to damage your gut. 
So that's another way that stress yeah. damages so the you gut. You just got to chill. You yeah. Know? So yeah. you remove, you replace. So you may have to replace uh, probiotics. You may, like, t- to help the microbiome. You may have to replace digestive enzymes to help with digestion, that kind of thing. You want to restore. You want to restore function, normal function to the body. And only then can you really repair. And not only we are not going to repair. It's the body who's going to repair. So in the most cases, mm-hmm. if you notice all of those things, we're getting out of the way, we're giving the body what it needs, and then we're allowing the body to do what it knows how to do best. It's funny, we were talking uh, before the podcast about what you do these days, and you know, I think you started out as a holistic nutritionist, but now you know, realizing that this is all connected, like you know, your food is connected to your sleep, and your sleep is connected to your stress and all this stuff, and it seems like you're doing much more lifestyle counseling you know like nutrition is usually a gateway to that and it's 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 interesting even myself with uh you know with with training people like you know first it's like you want to train the body you're like oh you got to deal with nutrition and then you have to become a psychiatrist and then (laughs) like all these things right and you know i find myself telling people to sleep more rather than you know like anything else that was like the main thing that you start telling people to sleep more and eat less gluten kind of stuff right i mean whether you know uh, you believe in that or not, but it's it's funny that you know, I think all these things are so connected. So food allergy might actually have more to do with your shitty job than it, <laughs> than can, it does with the food. Sure. But you really got to look at this stuff, for right? For sure. Even depression has links, right? Sure. So, and I mean, this is not to belittle depression in the least, but um, you know, so much of your neurotransmitters are being made in your gut. They're mm-hmm. being produced in your gut, and so your digestion really. And what's going on in your gut has drives so many of the different functions in your body, your ability to train, your ability to build mus- build lean mass and to burn fat mass and to for your brain to function as optimally as it can. And so, yeah, you know, like nutrition will always be the core of what I do, mm-hmm. but my I finally really got my head around the fact that it, there are four pillars to people optimizing their health and their performance. And it's, and they're basic, like it's not rocket science, it's nutrition, it's stress management, it's sleep, and it's movement. And Mm -hmm. we, all of those four things have to be, and they're gonna be addressed differently for different people based on their lifestyle, based on their capacity, based on their age and stage, their health status, whatever the case may be. But then the other big overarching thing is, it's helping people to get out of their own way, helping people to, get their heads around change and not focus on the four things they can't eat, you know, and well, you know, and, and very often it's about getting people to think about, well, what are you really after? What is it that you really want? So if what you want is that, so now let's, if we think about what you need to do to get that, I'm not taking anything away from you. It's all about how you're going to beat a path to that goal that you have. Well, that's so interesting you say that because I mean all change is hard right it's 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 totally. it's, it's, it's it's hard just to change uh, you know even your diet because your diet is often tied to so many other things it's tied to uh, your budget your lifestyle how much time you have to prepare food uh, even your friends right like totally. certain groups of friends will reinforce certain diets in some cases you may have to start like literally start hanging out with healthier people <laughs> yeah. right yeah and I think that's why these these kind of you know CrossFit gyms and run crews and these like fitness communities work so well consumption Someone can really change very quickly once they immerse themselves in this lifestyle uh, because you have everything you need there, right? You have your 
good information, you have your motivation via everyone around you, and you, you have this, this, this new lifestyle that you can take on. But that's the important thing, I think, once you, once you isolate the variables in your life that are not working for you, mm -hmm. um, you know, simply changing them will will not produce the big result that you're looking for. You gotta address all these areas as well if you really want that change to happen. Yeah. If you don't care, it doesn't matter. But if you really, really care about change, then you know, all those things are, are, are related to it. Yeah. And and people the people around you is it's so important, right? Mm -hmm. Your social network has everything to do with your your well being. And we may have touched on this a little bit in that in the last podcast that we did on happiness. Like that social network is integral to our ability to function as human beings. Um, and I don't fully remember where I was going with that. But actually, no. What I was going to say is what you were saying about the run crew in the CrossFit gym. You become you're now surrounded by like-minded people. You know, I've had clients say to me. I had one client say to me after two weeks on a clean paleo diet. And this person was really not in good shape. Um, they lost 10 pounds. They were feeling great. And they picked up the phone and they said, you know what? I can't do this. My social life is too important to right. me. And I can't stop drinking. And I'm, I'm, I, it's too much fun. And, I, it, and this was at the beginning of my career. And it left me speechless. Like I could not believe that someone could actually build that story for themselves. And... You know, people have to be ready. They have to be ready to step through the door. And if they're lucky, they get ready long before their body kind of calls in the chips and says, dude, you're out of time, you know? And that doesn't mean you're gonna die, but a lot of people come to it when they have a health crisis or somebody around them has a health crisis. Um, but you know, it's about separating the emotion, our emotional attachment to food and building a healthier relationship with it. That is, that it's nourishment and yeah, it's, it can be great and it's delicious and it's wonderful, but the food is there to serve you. You are not there to serve the food. And that's a little bit of a distinction to make for people. And sometimes it's a bit of a leap and people have to be ready to even take on the challenge of making that leap. It's tough. I mean, I think we all are programmed to make significant changes when there's, you know, like all hope is lost or yeah, we when feel there's a need. when there's a need or we feel so shitty, you know, we look at ourselves in a mirror or we've had, you know, some kind of affliction, then we're like, okay, something's got to change. Sounds biblical affliction. Affliction? <laughs> no, it's a, it's a shitty clothing brand actually. <laughs> um, with like rhinestones and stuff. But anyway, but uh, anyway, so, uh, you know, that's how I've been. I've, I've, I've had to hit rock bottom to, to make any significant yep. change and kind of rebound out of it with enough escape velocity to make that, that change happen. Mm -hmm. But I think the, the key is to recognize these little sensitivities, right? Like these little, little nuances. They're yeah. these irritants. And, and, you know, there are signs of danger. There are signs of things that we might need to change and, and commit to them. I think it's, it's important you know, no, no real change happens without some kind of a powerful emotion behind it. Mm -hmm. And you, you have to recognize mm -hmm. these things and you have to throw some emotional weight behind it, right? Like, I, I think if anything, you and I having been through this process ourselves, I've definitely been through this process um, several times. Mm -hmm. I'm kind of, you know, like one of those, like I'm like in and out of, you know, food rehab constantly. <laughs> um, it, but, uh, you know, I think once you really recognize the power that especially changes in your diet will make, it's it's kind of crazy. Like I, I think, uh, you know, even hearing you describe 
what what food is. I mean, it's the building blocks of everything. It's how you think, it's how you look, obviously, it's how you feel, um, and every single thing you put in your mouth has a result in your body and in your mind. And so I just think we need to appreciate that more and understand that, you know, literally every molecule of food that goes in has an effect. Yeah, and it's, and you know, sometimes correcting nutrition can be the spark that leads you to the next step of change. Sure. Right? Uh, because if you have more energy, you have more energy to address any other imbalances in your life. If you're sleeping better, you're going to have more energy Absolutely. to address stuff. Yeah. So sometimes food is the starting point. Sometimes we have to start with getting people sleeping a little bit better. Mm-hmm. Um, it's it, it really will depend on the individual and what, what their real needs are. But, um, you know, to come back to the to our to our topic at hand today, um, particularly food sensitivities when they're undetected can be such an underlying um, stream of dissonance in the body so that it creates physical unease and emotional unease and it, it just, just leaves people feeling unwell yeah right absolutely. and so sometimes if we can pull that out and all of a sudden people start to feel well it's like it's momentum right absolutely. and they want to know so what's the next thing I can do so how can I and things start to f- click into place mm-hmm. So it can be a very powerful thing to do for yourself. Yeah, and to you know get what? A it doesn't. That stuff. Absolutely, it doesn't mean you don't have to eat the food. Like I know for a fact, I am sensitive to dairy. Yeah. So once in a while, you. But I know. But like going to, I'm like, okay, risk reward ratio. Yeah. And you know, but every time I eat like a giant, um, you know, drum of ice cream, I'm just gonna be kind of close to home. Oh yeah. <laughs> so, yeah. Or, yeah. Or, ice cream. Or I'll eat it like strategically, so it's like at night and not in, you know. At, at you know at a point where I actually have to do more work or something like that um, and uh, you know I think that's that's good to know like just knowing how things affect you is a very powerful uh, piece of information yeah. and you can do whatever you want with that if you want to sure. you know if you want to party live on the edge and have you know some cheese or some some shit like that <laughs> like go for it but at and least you at least you're aware yeah you know I, Absolutely, I think it, it, it comes in handy in the course of a work day. And I've noticed that certain foods would really just like slam me to the point where I wasn't, I wasn't interested in the work, I wasn't creative anymore, uh, all I wanted to do was go home and, and, and sleep. And so those foods I, I, I eliminated because I understood that you know, on a, on a deep level, I don't want to feel that way. Yeah, even it's though they worth were it. exactly, they were they were worth the mouth pleasure. They were tasty in in the moment, but really, you know, I didn't, I wasn't productive or happy the rest of the day. So you know, you pull those out if you want to eat them, eat them later. I mean, you know, if if that's your thing. But I think just information is power here, and knowing, you know, how you can create that balance between eating uh, stuff that's good for you and stuff that's fun for you. Yeah, exactly, and and um, yeah, nothing is forever, right? But definitely, I find also that I lose my, I don't crave bread and pasta the way I used to. I really, yeah, like that was a self, that was a big monster for me. And that doesn't mean that once, in, like I had a bowl of pasta for dinner, I'm going to say a month and a half ago, and it was probably the first time in six months. And so people are gasping, going, oh my God, the deprivation. It wasn't deprivation, I just hadn't, yeah. right? And so I did, and it was mostly good, and I felt like such a bag of dirt that like I was so bloated and so uncomfortable and the next day I just dragged myself through my day and I was like it's okay like I made this decision right and it took me a few days probably to fully recover from the experience but it but it's okay 
you know what? Like, so I had pasta and it's not, the world didn't come to a crashing halt because it's not an IgE. So if you have the IgE, you know it, it's going to, you'll stay away from those. Way to just bring it right back. That EpiPen will only buy, (laughs) you know, the the big story at McGill when I was there um, is that a, a kid died in the anatomy building, which was so ironic in one of the medical buildings he, because he had an anaphylactic reaction to something mm-hmm. and he had an EpiPen and it took too much time for the ambulance to get there. Oh, man. So, you know, I'm hopeful that we have EpiPens on site here and if we don't, we should go up and buy some <laughs> <laughs> because uh, you never know when yeah. when somebody's going to discover that kind of thing. But when it comes to the, um, the IgGs and there is a much more rare form called IgAs, which is... You know, it's this. It's again. It's it's an underlying food sensitivity. Mm-hmm. Um, you have a lot more wiggle room there, and also if you do, if you did decide to do the test, it gives you a scale. So if you're kind of moderately sensitive to mm-hmm. a food, it's the kind of thing you can have once in a while, sure, even sure. on a regular while. It's the high ones that you want to really kind of steer clear of, and the high ones, frankly, that when you remove, you'll feel the most benefit from. So, uh, do you want to just let everyone know where they can get that? blood test thingy if they uh the blood test thingy yeah um so like i said you can i definitely you can reach out to me because i have access to that testing now but any most naturopaths um for sure have access to the mm-hmm. to these uh, food sensitivity kits um other than naturopaths there are certain nutritionists that do the testing not not all of us have access just because not because they can't but just because they don't um so yeah that's pretty cool. much it or otherwise just you know don't eat anything fun well, the, the, for a the month true, and then introduce yeah, like the true elimination diet I, I wish I could remember what the four food there's, a, there's one of the forms that is very severe the elimination diet that literally takes you down to four or five foods yeah. for three or four weeks it's really but this, this is for people who are in such a bad state that they'll pretty much do anything to feel better. Sure. I mean, at that point, they're they're probably under some serious supervision and yeah. and care. So you know, it's like the last resort. Yeah. But most people probably don't need to do that. No, I would say the bulk of people don't, for sure. Okay. Cool. I think that's uh, that's our time. That's a wrap. But you know, don't eat wraps. They have gluten in them. Yeah. Right. So we, <laughs> no, we you, can eat, you can eat paleo yeah, wraps. They're paleo made wrap. with coconut and water, and they're delicious. I've actually had those. They're, they're not they bad. The yeah, yeah, they're yeah. they're okay. And they have them in curry flavor too, with curry. I've had that as well. Mm. Expensive, but good. Expensive, yes. Expensive, but good. Yeah. yeah. Big money. Um, but uh, yeah, at your you know. Or you could use a steamed, steamed collard leaf. I've done burger. that too. Oh, I've done so that too. Good. See, maybe this isn't a wrap. Maybe we have more to say. <laughs> we Ca- always have cabbage more to say, is really good. Go. Yeah, cabbage. I know. Yeah, yeah. we right. gotta go. Wait, Jeez, don't cut me off now. <laughs> <laughs> um, okay, but if you want to continue this conversation, uh, Nat, where can they find you, reach you, all that stuff? So you can always uh, find me on at Academy of Lions. Um, you can find me here uh, either by emailing me nat at academyoflions.com that's n-a-t at com, or nnidam at rogers.com or you can follow me on instagram which is at natalie.com and natalie is n-a-t-h-a-l-i-e n-i-d-d-a-m um 
I think that's about it. That's that's lots of many different ways to get me. That's that's enough. Two email me. addresses, two not just one. Emails. Two. Okay. That's right. In case the Rogers one doesn't work, our internet wasn't working today, so who knows? Rogers yeah, I'd say the Rogers one is pretty good, but uh, pretty good. not at Academy of Lions. Mostly works. Whichever. Just yeah. Just just CC. Just find me. <laughs> Do it. Find her. Uh, cool. Uh, and obviously, everyone can engage with us uh, on Instagram, Twitter, Facebook, all the usual places. We're at Academy of Lions. Uh, on all the social accounts and uh, if anyone needs any information about anything else info at academylines.com cool nice we're to back. see you yeah. we're back I haven't done one in a bit no it's been a while okay here good. we go alright all right. see ya bye bye